about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition here on Westwood One. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. This podcast each day is powered by CRTV. They underwrite the cost for this to make it free for you, the people. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We'll be getting to some of the feedback you've sent us to those places here momentarily. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, but we did just conclude production for today's television show. It's our Week in Review Dace Group. Do you guys just want to say that's good enough, or is there something in particular you want to tease for the audience to be looking forward to, forward to today at CRTV.com? Gentlemen. Well, I'm, the Dace Group is always, um, as are the rest of our shows, but the Dace Group just has a faster pace. We're wrapping up the week, um, and, and it's always interesting to listen to. But it seems like the entire thing, with the exception of most of the last topic, but the first two topics are just all about the show. It seems like the 80% of the stuff on a good week, 80% of the stuff that's talked about in the mainstream media or in the conservative media, maybe even especially conservative media or on social media, all of the 80% on a good week is just total baloney. And that's kind of what we got into today. Um, don't want to miss today's group. And a reminder that, you know, if you like this podcast, you got to support it. Um, just think of it as uh, putting your money where your mouth is. If you really like listening to this podcast, you you need to support it. Uh, sign up CRTV.com slash days promo code day still works pennies on the day. You put together a list at the end. This is the stain that is now on my memory after getting done with that. Uh, of pro- is this the list that Aaron said to me before you came in today? He said that list you put together for yeah. that. Because I think it, yeah, it, no, that was what that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it bruised you a little bit too when oh, you read through it. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. It, I don't know how many years. Well, just pre twenty sixteen would have. Putting out that list, I think we would have been thinking in terms of, you know, Hail Marys. Now I'm thinking about, you know, th- these are, you know, these are the, which, which play, which handoff to your fullback uh, or your halfback is more likely uh, to get five yards. I mean, it, it, there's no Hail Mary to any of those three. That's what was most chilling these preposterous and they're still preposterous but which preposterous outcome is more likely they all have way better than a puncher's chance well if you want to know what list has already ruined todd and aaron's weekend before it even got started jerk (laughs) steve comes in here today with an iowa state jersey on yeah i wore my throwback iowa state beat iowa jersey from the 70s i only wore it because i knew you were gonna wear something hawkeye today and it it worked first thing when i came in man First thing, yeah, he's like, yeah, you suck. <laughs> no, literally, thing. I was like, hey, d- hey, Steve, and then I got up, oh, screw you, man. <laughs> well, if you want to know what list it is that has already ruined Todd and Aaron's weekend, and why would you want to let it ruin yours? 
CRTV.com is the website. Use my name as a promo code DACE. You'll not just get the access you want to our show, but every single show here at CRTV. All the old shows you've missed up until now, all of it for just a quarter a day. And again, that show is what makes this show available. All right. So if you like this podcast, uh, if you think this podcast is worth 25 cents a day to you, then how about if you got two shows from us a day for that? Because that's all it costs to subscribe to CRTV on an annual basis. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. That's how you get that, just a quarter a day, discounted price. All right, gentlemen, it is a Feedback Friday. Are you ready to go? Ready. Okay. This is from Robert. It says, you and your associates, including Bob Vanderplatz, are classical holier than thou. You believe the good is the enemy of the perfect. I'm not perfect. I've never had the opportunity to vote for a perfect person. I'm not perfect. My wife is not perfect, but I am willing to face my creator and state my case. None of you served in the military, so you do not really understand the bottom of society. You were looking at things from the balcony. Life is very interesting. I've had the chance to visit many levels. One thing that stands out is fighting. Jesus was a fighter. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Lincoln, Goldwater, and Trump. All fighters. Life is tough. If you do not fight, you cannot win. Smiling in the face of evil will not prevail, but the fighter suffers some wounds, the price of victory. Whether it's politics, sports, or business, fighting is the only way to win. And if you believe your principle, then the fight is worth the price. Robert, the issue here isn't that you believe in fighting and we don't. It's that you have a different worldview than we do. You may think because we may agree on some political positions, we have the same worldview, but we don't. And you, you articulated your, this yourself when you said, I'm not perfect, my wife is not perfect, but I'm willing to face my creator and state my case. Gosh, I hope that's not true, Robert. Because I can promise you, your case sucks. And you know why I know that, Robert, without ever having met you? Because everybody listening right now and everybody doing this show on the other end of the equation, every one of the seven plus billion people on planet Earth who think they have a case to make for their righteousness to their creator, their case sucks. And that's what everybody in hell believed, too, that they had a case to make. You have no case to make. There is no one righteous. Every attempt you would make to be righteous, Robert, is like a bloody menstrual rag, rotten, a terrible, a, a, a terrible scent in the nostrils of your creator. Your creator does not want you to fight for him, Robert. He's the creator. He's got this. He wants you to let him fight for you. You have it the other way around, Robert. You're backwards. So again, you may be even more conservative on some issues than we are, but we don't have the same worldview. Right then and there, you and I, and I would guess, I don't want to speak for Todd and Aaron and let them put their own two cents in, but right there from the get-go, see, that's why you don't understand where we're coming from. The, the notion, the perfect as the enemy of the good, that's utilitarianism. The idea that I could just do the best I can, whatever causes the most good is good. That's paganism. That's, that's not Christianity. That's not the God of the Bible. Um, sometimes a situation is so dark, there is no common good. 
and you are to do and live the way you are to uh, walk humbly with your God and keep his commandments regardless of how dark it is out there in the world. And that's the fight. See, the fight is not with earthly powers, people we disagree with, flesh and blood. It's with principalities. Spiritual dimensions that are unseen. The fight really is will you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, no matter what your worldly circumstances are? And will you love your neighbor as you love yourself, no matter how much your neighbor may hate you? That's the fight, actually. That's it. That's it. All of the law and prophets can all be summed up in those two commandments. That is the fight. The fight isn't for Rome. The fight isn't for the sun never sets on the British Empire. The fight isn't for the West. The fight isn't really for American exceptionalism. I mean, those aren't even necessarily bad things to fight for in their context. They're not really, though, the ultimate fight. And if you lose the context of why you're fighting for them, then you're an idolater. And these things become your idols. Because nothing is worth fighting for that causes you to violate those two most important commandments in all of human existence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Nothing is. Nothing's more important than that. Nothing. Jesus didn't fight the way you're describing, Robert. Turn the other cheek. He suffered burdens for other people. Accepted blame that wasn't even his. He has nothing in common with the rest of your list. Nothing. And the rest of your list has some great people on it. But they couldn't carry his jockstrap. Not even George. And you know what? If George was here today, he'd tell you the same thing. (laughs) Okay. Tell me what it is. Tell me what fight is happening we're not participating in. What do you guys think Robert's answer to that question would be if he were here today? What do you think, based on this note, if Robert were here right now, tell me what fight is happening that in his mind we're, we are disengaged from, that, that, is, that matters. What do you think he would say, Todd? Uh, supporting Trump. For why? Because two legs good, four legs bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm asking. Is there a reason other than that? Um, tell, tell me, tell me, tell me. So pretend you're Robert for a second, if you don't mind. Robert, tell me why I want to go to war for a Supreme Court justice that I was promised by Trump in the campaign. He would appoint justices. What's the alternative, that would, Steve? That would overturn. What's Ro- the alternative, and that, Steve? See, that, you're making the perfect the enemy of the good. And that is again where there's you have a different worldview than we do, Robert. We don't believe the same things. You just think we do because you skip to the fourth or fifth things on the list and we agree on the fourth and fifth things. 
So you think that we are the same as you, and we're not. We totally disagree on the first two, three things. And I would like to know as well, um, by what standard one can say that um, that we're being holier than thou. I would like to know what standard that. Yeah, how being. would he know that? How would Robert know what's holy? Where would Robert get his definition of holier than holier from? Where would he get that from? Well, if he's going to make his case before his creator, maybe Robert knows. Maybe it comes from Robert. Sounds like, in fact, everybody, you guys, those of you listening right now, should be listening to Robert. I mean, dude, dude's willing to look God in the eye and state his case. Yeah. He's got to feel pretty confident. Yeah. I bet he's prayed about it and he feels real good about where he's at right yeah. now. So, you know what? Turn off your station. Delete this podcast. Robert, you send us the link to your show. Because I think, you know, rugged individualism, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, make your own way, make America great again. I kind of think the guy who thinks he's he's comfortable, comfortable enough in his own skin that he can stand before God Almighty and, quote, make, state my case, unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, I kind of think this is the guy you should be following. He seems to know. What you think, Todd? Here's what I think about Robert. I think it's as likely as not that his conscience has been pricked just like ours has about the futility of all this. But yeah, it's we tried it, uh, this Trump thing. It's I'm embarrassed uh, on a regular basis, but he he can't see uh, the way another way, and he resents that we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's That's a, the worldview difference. Yeah, he doesn't understand. We the, or, or at least that we're trying. Yeah. We, we are trying. We can't see. I mean, we can't see where the outcome is in many respects, but we're going to trust it. You want to know how, here's how we fight, Robert. We're probably the only major, and who knows how major we are. We are probably the only, by any definition, major national conservative show doing a Bible study. And why are we doing it? Because we realized we needed to bust out the biggest weapon we had, the most devastating weapon we have. The most devastating weapon that's ever been unleashed on planet Earth. The word of the Almighty Creator that you feel pretty confident stating your case before. So we're going to let the line out of its cage. We're going to open it up. We're going to let the Creator state his own case. Because we think it's a pretty good one. And we think it's a lot better one than we can make. And you tell me where the President is fighting existentially for me. I'll be there. When, when the president went to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia last year, could I have been any more enthusiastic in the aftermath of that? No. No. And then what did he do afterwards? Uh, let's go make Mosul great again. Let's have a, and more Americans can die in Afghanistan. I, I, I don't, I'm out. I don't owe him anything. He owes me. And he owes you. We're the bosses here, not him. So, you know, if Brett Kavanaugh had stood up there and said... Roe v. Wade is a wrongful ruling and at the first opportunity I have I'm going to vote against it. I would have crawled over broken glass for that nomination. Instead he went up there and said it's essentially the fourth rail and untouchable. So I'm out. Because I don't I, I, I don't need I, it's not about whether I support them. It's about whether they support me. 
But I understand if you don't understand our kingdom is not of this world and that we represent something eternal, then you won't get what we're, where we're coming from. I, I understand that. And you'll even be offended by it. You'll even be offended by it. You know, one of the great early divisions that happened within the church occurred when, when was it 110 or 70, when Titus sacked Jerusalem. And it was a devastating siege. And the emperor Hadrian sent, I think, his son-in-law, his general in there. He was just tired of those unruly Jews and their religion. And just man's inhumanity to man kind of stuff. And one group of Jews saw the uncircumcised heathens heading for their temple and said, this can't stand. We must stay and fight. And another group of Jews remembered their Messiah saying, when you see the abomination of desolation, flee. Get out. And they left. And it caused a huge division among God's people. Because one group of God's people saw this as an attack on their heritage, on their legacy. And another group of God's people saw this as affirmation that they had a new covenant and a new legacy now. And that this wasn't, these earthly fights weren't their priority anymore. This is the same debate you and I are having right now, Robert. We're having this exact same debate. Margie writes, if you go back and listen to what Ben said, he said, if the justices were all about wearing, meaning Ben Sass, he said, if the justices were all about wearing the blue or red jerseys, then someone in the Senate should introduce legislation to have judicial term limits. Why shouldn't that someone be Ben? Yes. Just saying. Yes. I, <laughs> That's what pissed um, me yeah. off the other day. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with that. You know, um, here's the thing. About a year ago, I think I told you guys, I might have even said it here on the show, if I was working in Ben Sass's office, I thought he was handling it exactly as I would advise. Like, there's, there's nothing to be gained by expending any of your political capital here because you're not going to get anywhere one way or the other. You'll just alienate people, right? However, if we're not going to go to the place where Sass is not going to remain quiet but is going to speak up now, See, you can do nothing and just hunker down waiting for the fallout to end. You can do that. Here's what you can't do. You can't give, you can't give eloquent speeches about how here, this place needs fixing, but then offer no remedies. That you can't do. You know what you, you can't can have do? it. You can't have it both ways. You got to choose one. Okay, you're either going to fight all the time, or you're just going to you're going to you're going to you're going to do the political equivalent of Luke and Leia being hidden on Alderaan and Tatooine until it's safe for, for the for them to come out. You either do that, you essentially go into a form of exile, waiting for whatever the current era is to get it to work itself out, or you decide, you know what, I'm going to make myself a perpetual pest around here. What you can't do. 
though. Then you become the Republican, and I'm not saying he's there yet, but in a couple more episodes like this, he's going to become the Republican version of Cory Booker. Just more sincere. Is that bad? Yeah. You cannot give profound pronouncements and then do nothing. Go ahead, Aaron. I was gonna, just going to say, you know, it would be nice if maybe there was some example of, I don't know, another senator walking in to the Senate chambers and sh- shutting the freaking government down. You know, that's something that you can do. That's actually doing something, mm-hmm. even if it's a total grandstanding, mm-hmm. but it's not a freaking speech. At least you're actually doing something. Yes. And I see none, none of that from Ben Sass. Love the guy's Twitter presence. He can put some words in front of, you know, behind. You can, he can put some words together, unlike me. Um but what else is there? He's just a, he's like a less gang of eight version of Marco Rubio at this point. He risks. I'm, I'm keeping my, I'm keeping my, my mind open. But at this point, he's just Marco Rubio with um, less gang of eight. What key legislation has he authored? I don't know. What, what fight? And admittedly, there aren't too many of them. There really aren't too many fights. I mean, the Republicans are just punting right and left. Okay, but he could file legislation in the Senate defending religious freedom on a statute level, for example. Has he done that? Not to my knowledge. No. Here's the thing, though. Right now, his liberty score is higher than Ted Cruz's. I think only Mike Lee has a higher liberty score in the Senate. Here's what I see when I see Ben Sass, and this is my opinion until he changes it. What I see, you made the Rubio comparison. I see a more sincerely conversion, a more sincerely conservative version of Rubio, meaning a guy who is torn between his sincere convictions and his belief that he's got to give a wink and a nod to the Bill Crystal crowd to ultimately get get his political ambitions realized. And as long as he believes he has to walk in both worlds or that he's even capable of it, he will alienate everybody in both. Because here's the problem. This is the survivor analogy I've used in the past. When they go from two or three tribes to the merge, some seasons they start with three tribes, some seasons they start with two. But eventually enough people get voted out that they merge however tribes they started with into one at the end. And that's, that's when stuff gets, the poo gets real then when they get to the merge. All right, because then it's kind of every man for himself at that point. There's always one person, and amongst the, within the, within that merge, there will emerge two factions because that's human nature, Lord of the Flies, and all that. Right? There will emerge two factions, and then there will always emerge within those two factions the one person who will say, basically, I'm above this. They always vote that person out first because neither side trusts him, and Sass is in danger of becoming that person. He's not there yet. But at some point, he's going to have to he's going to have to bleed for a cause people care about. The only thing you get from riding the fence is a sore crotch. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So he is in. If he continues down this road six months to another year from now, he's the guy. Like, let's say he primary Trump from the right. He would start with huge approval and panache, and then his coalition would fall apart. And here's why. Because he would, have, he would do one of two things. He would either A, punt on every conservative fight like Rubio has, and then end up being abandoned by our base like Rubio was. Or he would show that, you know, I actually believe this conservative stuff, and so I'm just, I'm a better person, I'm a better human being, but, you know, I'm pretty right wing. And at that point, the Bill Crystals of the world are out.
Yep. Because the Bill Crystals of the world don't like Trump because of his language and profan. Pro- See, that's what I thought. That's what I thought this was about. Character. It's not about that. The Bill Crystals of the world hate you. The Bill. I mean, look look at all the issues Crystal and, and his ilk have changed their positions on, and gone to the left just because of Trump. They were never they were never conservatives, not even neocons. They they you know it's what Daniel Horowitz says. They're the people who weren't good enough to get power in the Democratic Party. And so we essentially got their sloppy seconds. That's exactly what happened here. That's what happened. We got the B team. They hate you. And if Sass waits until he's a declared candidate before he decides, that's when your coalition falls apart. You need to declare this before you become a candidate. Otherwise, you're a souffle. You you look very you look widespread and impressive in the pan when you put it in the oven. But then when the when you turn the temperature on and the heat kicks in, what happens? It implodes. It implodes, collapses. Right now, he has support. He doesn't have a base. He has support because people are projecting, people that are rightfully uh, weary of the current system are projecting nobility upon him. And the problem with guys like Sass is, if they let that, if they let his, if they let those numbers get go so high, eventually you have to take a stand on something. And so when the time comes that you take a stand or don't, you've built people's expectations up so high they will collapse. You know who had the highest recorded on history approval rating in the Gallup poll as a president ever? You know who it was? George Herbert Walker Bush after the Iraq War. Then they had an election a year later. What happened to him? Todd, do you remember? Uh, Not good. Yeah. He got the lowest percentage of the popular vote of any incumbent, I believe, in American presidential history. Because we had a three-way race with him and Ross Perot and Bill Clinton. I think he got 34, 35% of the popular vote. And if it's not the lowest of any incumbent in American presidential history, it's close to the record. It's the modern record of low. So he went from 78% in the Gallup poll... And in a year, he got 35% of the popular vote. You don't want to raise people's expectations too high because you can't meet them. You're human. You want steady, loyal support. The only way you build widespread support in politics is by being all things to all people. And then eventually, you can't do that. Eventually, you've got to make decisions. People love, People thought Barack Obama was a great person, including a lot of conservatives. Until they started making decisions like, let's take nuns to court. Then they still thought he was a real nice guy. And his likability numbers would still be high, but his favorables would barely be above 50%. You at some point have to show people there's some substance there. And when you, if you don't, you supernova. Stephen writes, if Jeff Sessions' reasons for staying on as attorney general were a Whitney Houston song, he would tell Trump, A, didn't we almost have it all? B, where do broken hearts go? 
Can they find their way home? C, I have nothing. D, saving all my love for you. What do you think it is, Todd? I have nothing. nothing. No, not what you would say, Todd. What do you think, Jeff? Oh, I think he knows. (laughs) He knows. Aaron, what do you think? Oh, boy. Where do broken hearts go? I think that's the right answer, although I can make a case for all of these. This is the second straight week we've let Steven do this. I like this. Yes. I like this game. Yes. I do like it a lot. Yes. Uh, Ferris writes, public service announcement on Friday while shopping in a local supermarket, I saw Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, pumpkin spice oh, flavor. God. Yes, America. Yes. Yes. We are officially great again. Give me Taco Bell over authentic Mexican delivery chain pizza and pumpkin spice all the things. Yes. You realize Babylon B trolled pumpkin spice, don't you? I'm I'm choosing to overlook that. I, see. I, I, I believe mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> so I'm choosing to <laughs> Pumpkin spice all the things. My wife said I'm going to look at a new perfume. What should I get? I told her pumpkin spice. <laughs> You've really never OD'd on pumpkin spice? I love pumpkin spice, man. I love pumpkin. I love pumpkin stuff. I love it. I mean, I I, I, I like it. I'm but, just not like... Yeah, I'm not in love with it, man. Pumpkin spice, all the things. Uh, this is from Adam. Oh, boy. Here we go. Ready? Oh, boy. Here we go. My father and I regularly discuss politics, and over the past two years, his political philosophy has come to concern me. We've gotten to some rather heated debates concerning the Supreme Court, the latest nominee and general responsibility as outlined in the Constitution, tariffs, and general statements from the president. To give you some background on my father, he's a 58-year-old attorney who's a self-proclaimed Reagan Republican. I first noticed a clear difference in ideology when he vociferously defended Trump in the primaries while I vocally supported Cruz. Right around the same time, I had read Mark Levin's Liberty and Tyranny and, and developed a deeper understanding for why I was a conservative Republican. My question to you is, how do I go about convincing my father that principles are greater than people? How do I convince him that we must primary those Republicans who lied to us on specific issues? His usual responses include the following, quote, that candidate is not electable, quote, nobody is perfect, quote, your standards are too high. Basically, your father is an entire chapter in my next book, Truth Bombs, that comes out December the 4th, by the way, Adam, there's an end. I believe this might be your favorite chapter of the book, Todd, or among them. There are many favorites. Yeah, this is, uh, I, uh, I kind of unload on these people in this chapter. But uh, we've gone round and round on the latest Supreme Court nominee as an example with me staunchly advocating for Amy Barrett and him telling me that she's too radical to be approved by the Senate. I try to watch your CRTV show around him so he can overhear your roundtable discussions. I don't know what else I can do to sway him from his rhino-like tendencies. I routinely send him videos of Milton Friedman, articles by Walter E. Williams and Thomas Sowell, podcast segments from Ben Shapiro and Mark Levin. I would appreciate any help you could provide. In many respects, Adam, the conversation you and your dad are having is the same conversation Robert and I just had 20 minutes ago on this podcast. Yep. There's a worldview difference between you and your dad. You know, Shannon on our roundtable said something interesting today, and she's talked about that the American people don't want to hear the truth right now. They want the show because if they if they admitted the truth, then they'd have to do something about it. One of my favorite shows when I was when I was in my, was when I was younger was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and not just because I thought Michelle Michelle Geller was insanely hot, but my wife and I loved the show. And one of the one of the interesting subtext of the show 
So it's about this high school that's built on a hell mouth. It's literally a portal to hell. Well, the whole town really is, but the high school in and of itself is the main entry point. The whole town is built on a hell mouth, but the high school is the main portal. And so basically, God, for lack of a better description, every era raises up a slayer to go into these places and defend the innocent as a warrior, as a champion. And for the town of Sunnydale, built on the Hellmouth, that's Buffy. Her classmates hate her. So she is one, maybe the prettiest girl in school, which, you know, no matter what else, what you may be, what kind of character you have, what you may have for brains, almost always makes you popular, right? That's currency. Not, yeah. yeah, not in this case. She's maybe the prettiest girl in the school, one of the smartest girls in the school. Um, and oh, by the way, she's a badass and they hate her. She's an outcast. Why? And oh, throw in the fact she saved most of their lives at least once, if not twice. Why do they hate her? Because by acknowledging what she has done for them, they then have to admit to themselves, holy crap, man, we live in a freaking hell mouth. What do we do about that? They don't want to admit that. And so there's these cool scenes of this show where she'll be like over here in this graveyard putting werewolves down and people are just like walking by with their kids, getting groceries. Totally just unwilling to admit what's happening here. Like literal demons walk down the hallway of the, during the school day, just grabbing people. And she's fighting them in the library. People, just, kids just walk by, go to class. Oh crap, I got a geometry test in 10 minutes. They don't want to admit reality. Her heroism, her courage of conviction, which should be applauded. Like, the, like Buffy's biggest issue should be arrogance. Because she should be getting honored and feted everywhere she goes. Her biggest issue is letting it go. It should be, should be if the world was right. Her biggest weakness that she's tempted by is letting all of the Hosannas go to her head, right? Except it's the exact opposite. They don't ever want to admit who she is and what she's done and how many of them she saved. Because then they have to admit they live on a hell mouth. And they either have to move or fight. And they don't want to do either one. They just want to exist. So they basically stay drugged. Yes. Wantonly, willfully. Yeah. Adam, this is your father. It doesn't mean he's not a great man. It doesn't mean you shouldn't respect him, love him, and honor him. It means he's just a man. And his worldview has bought into the show. And this is easy. I, I, I went to the gym in the morning and I saw a headline uh, about, uh, you know, I saw a headline about Trump said something really bad on Twitter and, and, and it has a huge reverb with one of, our, one of our allies and I start to feel bad, but then I have to ask myself, well, then I have to admit that Trump may have done something wrong. I don't want to admit that. So I'll wait until noon Eastern, turn on Rush Limbaugh. He will convince me this is 75th level uh, chess. 
dimensional chess and that everything I saw, even though I saw it maybe even on Fox and Friends, even they, and Rush will tell you, it, I, I can't believe even Fox and Friends can't figure out what Trump's doing here by saying, um, you know, uh, our worst, our best ally is a terrible country. They can't figure out that this is a masterful stroke to negotiate a better trade deal, right? And so, and then you'll walk out of there. Okay. Just a little pinprick. Mm. And we don't go, ah, but you may feel a little sick. Can you stand up? I do believe it's working good. That'll keep you going for the show. Come on, it's time to go. Ah, yes. Comfortably numb, baby. Yeah. Give me that drip. We're always a victim. Never do anything wrong. It's always somebody else's fault. That's where your dad is. Don't hold it against him. It's where the vast majority of the American people are. On both sides. All, for the most part, sitting around in a circle, smelling their own farts, and convinced our flatulence. I know in general flatulence is bad, but this stuff smells like freaking rose water. This is as good as pumpkin spice. That's what this is. That's what this is. I won't even tell you what it was. We had a conversation on CRTV the other day that Aaron thought was really good and was going to turn it into a promo. Why'd you decide not to turn it into a promo, Aaron? Um, because not only do I want our promos to actually attract people to our show, I don't want them to do the opposite. Right. And this conversation, I know, would have done the opposite. Yep. Not because we insulted people, any group of people, but just because we stated the unvarnished truth for what it was. So here's my advice to you, Adam and Todd and Aaron. You're welcome to agree, disagree, add, multiply, subtract, and divide. My advice to you, Adam, is to have is to is to depoliticize your relationship with your father. Um, deal with him with honor, respect, and integrity. Away from politics. Live out the courage of your convictions in a way that he can obviously see the sincerity of your belief. Don't change what you believe for him. When he asks you, if when you stop talking about what's happening in the partisan realm and he asks you, be truthful, but make him ask you. Bingo. Make him ask you. And other than that, just enjoy your dad. Because I'm sure, yeah, because I bet you if you were sitting right here, Adam, and I asked you, hey, Adam, when your dad is not fixated on the partisan political arena, does he seem morally unsure to you? Does he seem uh, squirrely, squishy to you? And I'm, I, I would bet you 10 to 1 odds your answer would be no. Something just seems to happen when he goes into this. Yeah, that's the idolatry talking. So I would depoliticize your interactions with your father. He's going to choose. I'm going to warn you, Adam, if you continue down this road, the odds he will choose his idol over you are high. That's what idolatry does. 
So my advice to you is depoliticize your interactions with the old man. Appreciate him for the, for the way he raised you, for the man he helped turn you into, for the values that he instilled in you. Honor him that way. There's a great line Russell Crowe's Jor-El utters in the Man of Steel movie. When Zod bursts in to overthrow the government and he urges Jor-El to join him. And Russell Crowe's Jor-El looks at him and says, I will honor the man you once were, Zod, by refusing to go along with this. Honor the man who raised you. That would be my advice to you. Todd and Aaron, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, be, we are to be prepared uh, to have an answer for the faith that is in us. Uh, so, uh, and with that faith, yeah, sure, go to Nineveh, Matthew 28, all that. Uh, but in all those examples, you, you do what you do, and then people, this is different, they hear word of mouth, they come to it. Uh, you, there is no shoving it down uh, somebody's throat you have to be prepared to have that answer but there needs to be a questioner Mm -hmm. involved and as you laid it out i'm just simply echoing what you said your dad isn't interested in the question you'll know when he is Mm -hmm. he will come to you Mm -hmm. and then you as i often do with people uh all the time who do take up politics i say i'm happy to have this conversation but do you really want to have it if you don't Fine, let's go back to watching football or whatever. Yep. But if you do, we're going to have it, and there's no way it's not going to hurt. I went through this with my mom, Aaron, a few years ago, mm-hmm. and we just couldn't talk about it anymore. And so we just wouldn't. And we found Christmas and everything got so much better. And then what happened in about two-thirds of the way through the Obama administration, she came to me and started bringing it up on her own. Saying things like, you know... I, what I, are you saying about those red pills again? Yeah. She goes, you know, I... I, I, wa- I was so proud that we broke the racial barrier, but she literally said to me one day, out of the blue, after we had not had political conversations for years, and she said to me, she goes, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he's a communist. And all I did was depoliticize our interactions, did the best I could for her to see her son live out as best as he and perfectly can the stuff he claims to believe, and just loved his mom. And that would be my advice for you. Aaron. Yeah. Oh, no. Totally echo that. I I don't think at this point you can go wrong, um, as I kind of alluded to. I mean, your dad seems to be on a steady diet of uh, of blue pills right now. Um, Depoliticize it. Still hang out with him. Everything Steve said. Um, Eventually, eventually he will. If it's if it is an idol, um, People, people want to have their idols, um, what's the word, affirmed mm-hmm. more often than not. So there are going to be opportunities in the, fu- in the future um, where he's going to be wondering and there might be openings for him to take, again, the, the, the red pill, to overuse the analogy now. But um, everything that Steve said, I think, is, is the best way to go about this. Because this is this is more common than you'd think, and just from personal experience, I was can't remember why I was reminded about this the other time. But back in two thousand, late two thousand fifteen, early twenty sixteen, I was still and and throughout two thousand sixteen, um, I was still in the mode of you have to fight, and you have to debate with everybody who disagrees with you on in person or online. I lost so many relationships. For me, uh, anyway, I'm not an extrovert. 
I lost a, I lost a few, I, I lost a few relationships just because I thought it was always time to argue. Don't do that. It's never the system is never ever ever worth losing any friendships or relationships. Never. Well, thank you for tuning in here today on our Feedback Friday podcast. We had more feedback, but I think that note is a good one to end it on uh, because I think it is something that is a lament and a concern in a lot of our households right now is how to navigate these exact situations. Hey, if you have time today, please subscribe to the podcast uh, and or write us a positive review uh, if you think we're positive. Uh, Thank you to those of you that have already done so. Everybody have a great weekend either way. Until Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.